Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're really glad you're here. Pastor CJ is continuing his Christmas series called It's Your Birthday. Today's message is the presence of His Spirit. What a gift Jesus has given to us with His Spirit. The Spirit never leaves us, will lead us and guide us into all truth, and sets us free. Now that's a gift we can be thankful for this Christmas season, isn't it? We hope you enjoy this message. When I wake up in the morning, right. Uh, today I'd like to, to talk to you about that, about the presence. And how many know that presents they last for a while? They last for a little bit, and we get excited about them, and we're so fired up about them. We get what we want and whatever. But then eventually they end up on the shelf, right? But how many know that the gift that God gives us is a gift of eternal life, and that lasts forever? No matter what our destiny is in life, if we know Jesus, we know that we're going to go on, and we're going to live forever. And, uh, but Jesus gives us the gift of his spirit. And uh, how many of you have ever gone on a trip or something, you've done something with a friend or, or somebody that was very special to you, and you went to this very special place, and you, Barb, you went to this special place, and man, you laughed, and you just had a great time, and just had a great experience, and so on and so forth, and man, it was so fun that you couldn't wait to go back, and so you went back there by yourself. You know what I'm talking about? You went back there maybe by yourself. And then when you went back there by yourself, what did you do? You reminisced. You had memories of being there with that individual, that person. And you were reminiscing. You could almost sense their presence with you. And you were laughing even about maybe some of the jokes that were being said, the things that you did and all that was going on. And it brought back so many memories and just felt their presence by just being there even alone. Well, growing up as a kid, my grandfather was my hero. And how many know that we always need a hero to look up to? A hero means that we look up to them, and the reason why we look up to them is because maybe they're doing great exploits in their lives. Maybe there's great characters. Maybe there's great things that they're doing in their life that we look up to them, that we call them our hero. And they're my hero because maybe they have good character. Maybe they walk with integrity. Maybe they love the Lord. Maybe they love their wife or their, they love their, their spouse, and, and I love that about them. And my grandfather was my hero, and my grandfather taught me life. He just taught me Quinn life. And uh, some time ago, uh, I had the opportunity to go back to my grandfather's old farm. And uh, when I went back to my grandfather's old farm, he's passed away. He was 96 years old when he passed away. And uh, when I went back to the old farm, it was brought by a younger couple and so on and so forth. And they didn't take care of the place. I mean, it was kind of run down and it wasn't the same way. And the buildings weren't painted and wasn't cleaned up, you know, like you keep it up. And they didn't have animals. And because of the animals weren't there, the, the fields got high. And you know the whole story, right? But one thing that didn't change is I, I went into the barn. And my grandfather used to milk 50 Holstein cattle. And when we milked, we didn't have milkers at the time. We had to milk by hand. And I kid you not. And then he had interspersed within the Holsteins, he put black Angus in there. And if you know anything about black Angus and Holsteins, those udders on a black Angus are hard. They're like rocks. Try to milk them by hand like we did 50 of those bad boys, right? And my forearms, man, they were great for basketball. That's why I could flick a basketball so good. It was from milking. But eventually, as we got honored or went up the scale or got promoted, we ended up getting milking machines, right? And so when we put the milking machines, and how many remember the belt when you put the belt around the cow and then you have the thing and you latch it on them and then you hook the, the bucket on the belt and then you put the, the cups on the, you know, the udders and so on. And while we put the milking machine on the cow, my grandfather and I would do this, this thing. It was awesome. We would take the barn doors, and how many of you know barn doors had the splits, right? They had the lower part, and then they had the upper part, and you would always a lot of times open the upper part to let the wind in, but keep the lower part locked so the dogs or the chickens or whatever couldn't get out, right? 
Well, my grandfather, while the, while the milker was going on, we had two milkers, one on each side. While they were milking the cows, it was so crazy. What happened was my grandfather and I would always walk up to the half-part door, and we'd put our arms on the door. And we lean on the door, and we'd look up at, my grandfather called it, was the bluff. How I many you know that's the old terms, the bluff? To young people, it's called the mountain, right? But we'd look up into the bluff, and my grandfather, while we were looking in the bluff, he would teach me pr practical principles about life. And he would tell me, CJ, if you respect people, people will respect you. If you treat people the way you want to be treated, you, 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 uh, you're honest, you walk integrity. And he would teach me these practical things about life, right? And so I thought that was great. So when I went back there as to visit the old homestead, I intentionally, Helen, went to the door. And I intentionally opened up the top part of the door, swung it open, and walked up to the door and put my elbows on the door just like I would with my grandfather. And, you know, as I was looking up into the bluff and as I was looking up there and seeing all the scenery and I was reminiscing, and I kid you not, I promise you, I began to have tears in my eyes. And the reason why I did is because it brought back so many memories about my grandfather and the practical principles he taught me about life. And even as I began to think about the memories and all the things that was going on, you know what happened? It's almost like I sensed his presence. It's almost like he was right there next to me, Bill, like, wow. These were the good old days. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Do you ever have those days where you just sense the presence? Maybe you lost a loved one or your grandfather who was my hero. Maybe you lost your mom or your dad. And you're like, man, those good old days. Well, that was the good old days for me. Going back and reminiscing and sensing my grandfather's presence. And you know, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. How many can remember the day when you gave your life to the Lord? You know, do you remember those days? Wasn't that life-changing? I mean, wasn't that, Lucy, wasn't that life-changing, transformation? And, man, God does things and changes from the inside out. We look at the outside, but God looks at the inside. He changes on the inside. And what does he change? He changes our character. He changes our outlook in life, changes our attitude, changes our complaining into joy, all these things, right? And I remember that time, but how many of you know that at that time you were on cloud nine? How many remember that time? I know I was. I was on cloud Cloud nine. I didn't know what was happening when I gave my life to the Lord. I'm standing there, and I felt like a washcloth from the crowns of my head to the tips of my toes, like I was being washed. I promise you. And here I was, a coke addict, and here all of a sudden, man, that day, that particular day, I promise you, I've never used coke again. And I was instantly and totally delivered that particular day when God came into my life. I'll never forget that as long as I live. But, you know, that experience is a, a memento, it's a mo monument to go back to of saying, God, you are for real. But, you know, I realize that through the 38 years now that I've been a believer in Christ, that, you know what, that same experience that I experienced 38 years ago, that high that I had, isn't always there. You know, I, I, that, that feeling of, God, I sense your presence. God, thank you for transforming my life. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you for rescuing me. All those exciting, exhilarating experiences and emotions through my 38 years have been kind of a roller coaster also. I wish that I can always say that I've always felt his presence and always felt his anointing and always felt his spirit. But there are times in my life that I didn't feel his presence, and I don't feel his spirit, and I feel like, God, where are you? Can you relate to what I'm saying? And maybe you're there right now, that God, where are you 
in my need of life? Where are you when I need you the most? I sensed you when I gave my life to you, God, but God, have you forsaken me? Have you abandoned me? Where are you, God, now when I'm in the trenches? How many of you ever felt that way? I think we all have. You see, you should never base your relationship with God on just feelings. How many of you know that's true? You should never base your relationship with God on just feelings. But knowing he is there all the time, at all times, even when you don't feel him or sense him. How many of you know that's true? That you don't base your relationship on feelings. Because feelings will be here today and they're gone tomorrow. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. Feelings will play tricks on you that you sometimes feel good and all of a sudden you feel discouraged. What's going on? You never base your relationship with God on feelings or your emotions. You base your relationship on faith. Now faith is the substance of things unseen but things hoped for. I base my relationship, God, not on what I feel but, God, on what I know. And I know that, God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many know that's true. Amen? Listen, feelings will come and go, but the Lord and the Spirit will stand forever in you. That the Lord and the Spirit will stand forever in you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, even though you may feel like he's abandoned you. Now, in Psalms 139, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you. I know it's up here on the screen, but these are scriptures, I kid you not, that I have memorized and placed in my heart. David said, thy word have I hidden in thy heart that I might not sin against God, right? And the reason why he says that, he, that he hid the word of God in his heart, because the word of God is like a vitamin. It uplifts you, encourage you in your time of need. And what David was doing here, he was reminiscing about God's presence. And David was a man after God's own heart. He was anointed. He was used of God. He faced his face into the wind and like a flint, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And you can see all the things about David. But even though David was a giant or a hero for God, David even had periods in his life that, God, where are you? You can be the greatest hero, greatest giant in life for God, but there are going to always be moments in your life that your faith, get this, your faith is going to be tested and your belief system is going to be challenged. That you're going to be challenged when you're going through the lows of life. God, where are you? Are you going to cave in and say, I quit, I give up, I throw in the towel? Or are you going to stand firm and let nothing move you? I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know that my God changes not, and I know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So David writes these words, and I believe, I really believe, Becky, that he wrote it for all of us, that he wrote it for every one of you, that every one of us, it depicts every area of our lives in which we go through. I believe that, Heather, he wrote it for you. I believe, Helen, he wrote it for you. Jamie, I believe he wrote it for you. I believe Billy wrote it for you. He wrote it for us. And maybe that there's places in these verses of Scripture that you're at right now. And it's a reminder to tell you that even though you may feel it, God is still with you. But look at what he says. I, I love this. Where can I go from your spirit? He starts out in that verse. Or where can I flee from your presence? In other words... I, I can't outrun you, God. You see, you can run, but you can't hide. God's spirit is everywhere. You ever notice why he is labeled or he's called or said? One of the terms of the Holy Spirit is that he's omnipresent. And omnipresent means that he's everywhere. 
He's everywhere that you go. So you can't just shake him off and pretend he's not there because you know what? He sticks to you. Amen? He's better than Band-Aids. Stuck on Band-Aids and Band-Aids stick on you. He's stuck on you forever. He never leaves you or forsakes you. But he says, where can I go flee from your presence? Look at this. If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. Wow. Isn't that cool? We just had a young lady that maybe a few weeks ago, if you remember Carol, who was baptized. She's 70-some years old, just about turning 80. And remember, she was baptized a few weeks ago. Well, she just went on to be with the Lord. And so uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing the funeral or not. But you know what? I remember just prior to her being baptized. I kid you not, Scott. It was so cool. Just prior to her being baptized, you know what she said to me? She, I said, Pastor, she said, I said to her, I asked her the question. I said, Carol, why do you want to be baptized? And she never let on, Robin, she never let on to me that she was sick. You can ask Pastor Carolyn. We didn't even know she was. She said, this is why I want to be baptized. She said, I want to be baptized, dying to self, and coming alive in Christ again. Because she said, I want to know where my alternate destiny will be. Almost 80 years old. Is that amazing? Guess where she's at when she ascends to the heaven. He is there. And guess what's happening with her now? The angels in heaven are rejoicing because another comrade is brought home. Isn't that cool? But then he goes on to say this. If I send to heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the souls or the hell before you, you are there. Think about that. If you go to the depths of the grave or the hell, you are there. Where did Jesus go? He went to the hell to take away the death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys, right? He'll go that low for you. He'll Molly go that low for you because he loves you. That's why he left the 99 and went after the one, because he was so concerned for the one that he left the 99. He went to the pit to find you. Why? Because he loves you and he'll never give up on you. Then he goes on to say, he says, if I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. In other words, why does he say the sea? What happened to Noah? Or Jonah, excuse me. What happened to Jonah? Jonah chapter 2, what does it say? In the depths of the grave, when he was in the sea. When he was in the sea, you read it, Jonah chapter 2. In the belly of the fish or the whale, he cried out to God. Get this now. He cried out to God. And David is reciting that. And he's saying, in the depths of the whale or in the depths of the sea, I cried out to God and you heard me. And what did he do? He delivered me. He went down into the belly of a whale in the depths of the sea, and he heard the cry of Jonah. And he'll do that for you. Then he goes on to say, and your right hand, well, excuse me, and, the, and your right hand will lay hold of me. I was saying this in the first service. So I remember when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be like all the other kids. Peer pressure. How many know what I'm talking about? Peer pressure is real. How many know it's true, right? And uh, we were at Browns Lake. And uh, as we were at Browns Lake, all the kids were jumping off the pier. And they were jumping off the pier and they were swimming. And so because they were doing it, I thought I would do it. And I forgot one thing. I don't know how to swim. I was a rock. Right? And I jumped off the pier. And I'll never forget this. I'm not kidding you. I'll never forget. I was going down the bottom. I mean, I was 
man, just sinking. And I was panicking, and I was freaking out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That eerie, eerie feeling, just a scary feeling. The only thing that brought me to my senses, I looked up, and I could always see where the light was. That meant up. So I started kicking as fast as I could and hard as I could, and I must have been maybe treading water or maybe just sitting still where I was. And here I was almost to a point I thought I was going to lose it. I honestly thought that, Sarah, I was going to die. And out of my midst of my struggle and almost dying and almost losing my breath, all of a sudden, something reached down and grabbed a hold of my, sh my, my shoulder and pulled me up. And as soon as I got to the top, obviously, <gasps> and what did I do? Thank you, thank you. And I learned my lesson not to jump off a pier without learning how to swim. But the point is, your hand, your right hand, will lay hold of me. You see, when you think you're sinking... And when you think you, you don't sense his presence, God is never too late or never too early. He's always on time. He'll only let you go as far as you think you can and won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when he said he'll make a way of escape for you, guess what he'll do? He'll pull you up. He'll pull you up out of that struggle. Why? Because his presence never leaves you. His presence never gives up on you. His presence is always with you. He loves you, and because he loves you, he's concerned for you, and he'll go to the depths. And he says this, if I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Even the, my daughter was just here with the, my two grandbabies, and we're out at our cabin, and there's no street lights out there. And my daughter got in her car, and she, <laughs> she went from my cabin door and ran, literally ran to her car because it's so dark out there. And she quickly, I'm not kidding, this, this happened this weekend. She quickly got in her car, and the first thing she did when she got in her car, click, she locked the doors. I said, Heidi, what's wrong with you? You're acting like a paranoid Floyd. She said, man, it's too dark out here. I'm scared. I kid you not. What are you scared of? The bears are hibernating. Well, I don't care. I'm locking the doors. I'm not kidding, just this weekend. But you know what? God doesn't care how dark you are. And maybe you're in the darkest of your moments of life right now. Maybe it be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever it may be. God comes in the darkest of your moments. And the cool thing about God coming in the darkest of your moments, he doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't select who he's going to come to or not. He comes to all who cries out to him because he never lets the righteous be forsaken nor seed begging for bread. And you are that child. He said, and the night is as bright as the day. Wow. Darkness and light are alike to you. So God is not afraid of your darkness or your darkest struggles of life. They are light to you. He's not repelled by that, but he comes to you. One of the greatest things that David said, where can I run from your presence? How many of you ever had this happen? When you're, man, when you're going through good things in life, Man, you have a lot of friends, don't you? When I was in high school, I was because I got put back and, and, and I was older in my class than some of my other students or classmates, because I was older, I was able to get my car a lot sooner than a lot of my, my classmates. And so because I was able to get my car and have the car to get around and take kids, I had all kinds of friends. I mean, I, it was like friends coming out of the woodwork, man. I kid you not. But as soon as they started getting their car, I started losing all my friends. And the point was, they came to me when they needed me. And you know what? 
That's what friends sometimes do. They will come to you when they need you or when they want something. But when things go bad in your life, where are some of those friends? Jesus says, I'm a friend who sticks closer, Greg, to you than a brother. In other words, he doesn't run when you're going through tragedy. He doesn't run when you're going through struggles of life. He doesn't forsake you and come back when you're all straightened out. No, he straightens you out in the midst of your storm. He doesn't run from you. He runs to you. He doesn't repel you when you're going through your struggles. He reaches down into the muck and mire, and he pulls you out of that muck and mire, and he gives you a firm foundation to stand, and he lays hold of you, and he says, listen, my presence or my spirit is with you, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I love what it says. His spirit is with us. What? In the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. What's the depths? The struggles of your life. Let me ask you a question. What is your struggle right now? What is your biggest fear right now? What is your biggest battle right now? Then let me ask you another question. Have you invited God in it? You see, listen, I've learned something a long time ago as a pastor. God is a gentleman. He will only come in by invitation. Behold, I stand at your door and knock. He that hears the, opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Notice, he knocked. He just didn't barge in. He knocked. And you gave him the invitation to come. And Jesus will come into your situation if you ask him to. And you see what he says? In your struggles. What is your struggles of life? You see, invitation, giving God your struggles. Didn't he do that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Who was the fourth man in the fire that they visibly saw when King Nebuchadnezzar said, weren't there only three men that went in that fire? Why is there four in there? You see, God is the fourth man in your fire. He's the fourth man in your struggle. And when they opened up the furnace because it was so hot, there were men that were even dying. When they were getting close to the furnace, they pulled out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and not one hair on their head was singed. Why? Because God, his spirit, the fourth man in the fire, was there to extinguish all the flamey arrows of the evil one. And he's there with you right now. In the midst of your furnace, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your hardship, God is there. You see, even in the different corners of the world, you are there. From east to west, from north to south, you are there. In other words, there is no touching point that God can't reach. God is everywhere. As far as the east is from the west, God is there. Even in your darkest hour, you are there. You are there. When I uh, go through struggles in life, I sometimes go through times of just ha having a praise break, or I just change it. And how many of you know that worship is actually God's word being sung? And so sometimes what I have to do is I have to refresh myself. You see, the Bible says, I want you to get this, David 
had to encourage himself in the Lord. If he was always waiting for someone to come and wrap his arm around him, he might have been waiting a long time. But how do you think David encouraged himself in the Lord when he was struggling? I know. Because I put it into practice. And you know what I do? Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and thy power. Oh, come in thy own special way. He is my peace who has broken down every wall. He is my peace. He is my peace. He is my peace who has broken down every wall. He is my peace. He is your peace. Cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you. He is your peace. He is your peace. Cast all your cares on him. For he careth for you. He is Daniel, your peace. He is your peace. You see, that's how David made it. He had to remind himself that the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, is always with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me in my darkest hour? That's why he said those things. You see, listen, when you don't sense or feel his spirit, you need to remind yourself that, God, you are here, and I know it. I know it. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to bring disbelief and doubt. And whenever doubt comes, when doubt comes, push it out. Whenever in doubt, push it out, right? When doubt starts to come, what does it do? It brings confusion, and God is not an author of confusion, but a God of peace. So if you're starting to feel confused, then you know where that's coming from. In John 14, it says these words, and I love what John says. This is Jesus saying these words. And Jesus says these things after he's been crucified. Now he's getting ready. He's just getting prepared and he's resurrecting. And he says these things. He says, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. In other words, with you. That I'm right here in the physical sense and I can touch you, Kevin, and I can, you know, embrace you and I can hug you and even kiss you on the cheek. And this is my buddy here every Sunday. I, I love this kid. I just absolutely love this kid. Love him. Every Sunday, I'm going to hug him, kiss him on the cheek because I want to let him know I love him, right? But that's what Jesus, but Jesus knew that his time period was ending. 
And so his time period was still ending that he loved you so much that he wasn't going to leave you empty-handed. And because he wasn't going to leave you empty-handed, guess what he says? He said, but the helper. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. Even though I'm going to be crucified and ascend to heaven, I'm still going to be with you because I'm going to sense my, my presence or my spirit with you just like I sense my grandfather's presence and his spirit right next to me when I was leaning on the barn door. God says, listen, you may not see me in the physical sense, but I'm sending my spirit that will be with you in the midst of your storm, that will never leave you nor forsake you, that will never give up on you, that will be a present that will last forever, that will guide you, lead you, protect you through life's journey. He says, but the helper, what is the helper? When they help you in your time of need, the Holy Spirit, to help you. Again, he can't help you if you don't ask. But pride goes before a fall, and sometimes we don't want to ask because we got pride, and God says, quit being prideful and let your pride down and say, let me just help you. He says, listen, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, look at this, will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now watch this. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. How many know what the world gives is just temporary? Amen. How many remember that new shiny car that you got? Man, it's probably not shiny anymore. Amen. My wife posted on Facebook, and maybe you saw that with the windshield wipers, the strings. That my wife, that was me. Amen. We were going down 35W. My sister-in-law, who was pregnant, she was deep and wide, believe me. She was sticking her big belly out the window trying to retie the string back on the windshield wiper as we were in a rainstorm. That was actually me. Thank God I moved up from that car. Amen. Amen. But that car was a great car until it got rust on it. Amen. Thank God for Minnesota and Wisconsin for the rust buckets. Praise the Lord, right? We see all the debris. We have to have sweepers to pick up the stuff, our parts of our car that are on the road, right? And he says, listen, not as the world gives, I give to you. Do not let your heart. Now look at what he says. Look at the last phrase of this, Randy. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. Why do you think he says that? He says that because he knows that we're going to go through troubling times. And we know that we're going to go through fearful times. He knows that we're going to face oppositions in life. But just be still and know that I'm God and I send my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to what? Help you in your time of need. Didn't God go before the Israelites, fire by day, I mean, excuse me, fire by night and cloud by day? Didn't he make a way where there seems to be no way? If that's the same God yesterday, isn't he the same God today? And if he went before them, he'll go before you. He said, you just rest in me. And he says, listen, we know that the Spirit of the Lord is here, but he's here, he's here to guide you teach you, protect you, and to remind us everything he, Jesus, has said. Remind you. Remind you of the things that Jesus has said. That he's not here to hurt you, harm you, put you down, but to teach you. I look at some of these young mothers today, and Sarah's getting ready to have her little one. We don't know what it is yet, but it's a twinkle star, right? Isn't that what your thing was, twinkle star on Facebook? 
Uh, that's how I keep in contact with all you people. Three times a day, you'll see me on there. I'll, I'll get on it. And I saw hers. But you know what? What does Jesus do when you're getting ready to have that little one? What is the first thing that comes out of the little, bo the little boy's or little, little girl's mouth? Well, why, Daddy? I want a golden goose now, Daddy. Right? Why, 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 why? And what do you have to do? You have to follow up and do what? Teach them. Guide them. Protect them. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? You know what the Bible says? To come unto him as little children. Why do you think Jesus comes to us as little children? Because, listen, children are pliable and they're open and they're receptive to receive from the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus wants us to come to him like a child so that we're teachable, so that we're able to be guided, so that we'll be able to be corrected, so we'll be able to do these things that we can come to him and stop being in control, stop being a control freak, and let go and let God. You get it? Sometimes we got to control the situation and not God. But see, the roles of the Spirit, number one is this. The role of the Spirit, number one, is to teach us and to guide us into all truth. How many know it's the truth that sets us free? I don't know about you, but uh, young people in here today, uh, how many have ever lied to your parents? Amen. I know I have. Come on, a bunch of sinners, sinner, sinner down below, pucker up and let it go. Every one of us have lied here. I know that. If you didn't, then you're coming up to the altar at the end because we all have. But I remember in the day when, when I was in my mom's home and, my, of course, my dad was gone. And my mom, I would always lie to my mom about one thing or another. Where have you been? Oh, man, I was over at Kevin and Gary's house. Oh, what were you doing? Oh, man, we were hanging out listening to music. And I would make all these kind of stories up. But really, I wasn't at Kevin or Gary's house. I was places where I shouldn't have been. And I wasn't listening to music. I was doing other things I shouldn't have done, right? And so I was doing all these things. And you know what was happening? I was lying one lie after another that guess what happened? I lied so much that I couldn't remember what my lie was. And then I walk around, I feel like Tiny Tim, tiptoeing through the tulips. What did I just say? Oh, man. And I lived in this fear of thinking I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get caught by the, by the lies that I'm doing, right? And so why does the Holy Spirit say he's going to teach us into all truth? Because the truth will set you free from the snares or the lie of the enemy. And what is the lie of the enemy? That God doesn't love you. You don't sense his presence. He's really not here. He doesn't care about you. He's abandoned you. He's up in heaven. All these lies that he wants to get you entangled in. So you what? Just give up. Right? So look at what he says. Teach us and guide us in the truth. In John 16, verse 13, it says these words. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, look at what he says. He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. The truth will set you free. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, He's going to tell you the truth. Walk there in the way that I prepared for you. How many have ever had this happen to you? God gave you a warning sign. You're talking the wall here. I had these happen in my life. I'm not in, in that invincible, and I blew in stop signs before. And, and how many have ever had this? God gave you a strong warning. He spoke clearly to you, don't do this. And you went ahead and did it anyways. Amen? And what did you find out? Yeah, shouldn't have done it. You had to call 911, right? Because now, guess what? 
you had to call 911, not because maybe you broke a limb, but maybe now you have to call 911 because you're emotionally damaged. Maybe you have to call 911 because you went through rejection. Maybe you have to call 911 because you were rejected in pain and words that were said to you that should have never been said. And now you have to call 911 to get bandaged up emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Somebody say, ouch. Isn't that the truth? It's because we blow the stop signs because sometimes what we do is we want to take control. God, I like that suggestion. That suggestion's great, God, but anyways, what happened? How many know what I'm talking about? The truth. And he says this, he will guide you and speak only what he hears, and you will do that. And in John 8, verse 31 and 32, he says these. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, listen, you can say you love God, but actions speak louder than words. I always say this, even demons believe there's a God, James 2.19. You can say that, but actions speak louder than words. How many to know it's better to obey than to sacrifice? If you obey, then out of your obedience, you're going to be willing to sacrifice. That's why he says it that way. He will say sacrifice because sacrifice means pain. So I don't want to sacrifice. So God said, okay, you be obedient first, and out of your obedience and love to me, then you're going to be willing to sacrifice because you're going to be able to trust me because you're obedient. That's why he says it in that order. So he goes on to say, he says, watch, believe in me. Do you really believe? Do you really believe or is God just a uh, fairy tale? You see, now watch this. If you continue in my word, then you, then you, talking about you, are truly my disciples of mine. How can people know that we are believers in Christ? Not just by our words but by our actions, words, and deeds. By what words? The word that proceedeth out of the word of God, the mouth of God, which hideth in my heart, that I will not speak thy word, but his word through me, and I will walk out his word. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. He makes my crooked way straight. It's not jagged, so a straight way from point A to point B. The straightest point is that's the fastest way to get there. And what God wants you to do, he wants you to take the fast lane. And the fast lane is following out his word and making your crooked way straight so you can get from point A to point B a lot faster. But what happens if we don't obey his word, we get sidetracked. And when we get sidetracked, we have these uh, dead ends. We had these detours of life. And in these detours of life, what happens is we forsake God's word and we wonder where God is and we wonder, God, where are you? How come you've abandoned me? And God says, no, I've never left. Here's the straight way. I will make the path of the righteous straight. The path of the righteous man or steps of a righteous man are ordained of the Lord, correct? So he says that. Now, what's this? He says this. If you continue my word, then you will truly be my disciples of mine. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Aren't you glad you're free? What's holding you back? You see, the truth about God is that he loves you, that he is with you, and he sets you free. Another one is this. The Spirit speaks only what the Father says. Have you ever wondered what the Father says? Here's the first thing the Father says to you. The Father says he will never leave you nor forsake you. When I was growing up, you know my story, three fathers, three mothers, but I distinctly, distinctly 
distinctly. Remember the day my natural father left us. I'll never forget that. Donnie, that, that just crushed me. When my natural father left and my five sisters at the time, it just ripped my heart out. I was seven years old, and our dad left us. And you know what I did? I took the blame thinking that I might have been the cause that caused my dad to leave. And it was so painful. And that's my natural father. Maybe some of you have experienced that hurt just like I have. See three fathers walk out your life. Three th see three mothers walk out of your life. And then you wonder about rejection. But one of the things I had to hold on to, Kevin, is my heavenly father, my Abba father, my Papa daddy says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll never give up on me. He'll never discard me. He'll never throw me away. He'll never call me garbage. He'll never call me a mismatch, a, mis a mishap. He'll never call me those things or a reject. But he said, I love you just as you are. See, that's what my father says. You know what he else he says? My father says this. There, he is there to comfort us in our time of need. You know what my father says? I am coming soon, so get ready. That's what my father says. You know what my father says? These are some of the things that the father says to the spirit to remind us of his return. These are his words. And maybe you had a father break promises to you or a mother break promise to you, but I'm here to tell you today, your Abba Father, your Papa Daddy, he makes a promise to you, and it's always yes and amen, and he never goes against his word, because if he goes against his word, his word will return void, and God said he cannot add or subtract from his word, and God's word is final, set free, period, point blank. God will accomplish that which he said he will do. Isn't that right? Lastly is this. Go ahead, Jeremiah. I don't know if he's here. The Spirit sets us free. Isn't that, isn't that cool? The Spirit sets us free. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 18, as we get ready to close, the Spirit sets us free from what? Watch this. I, I just love this. In 2 Corinthians, it says, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, that, that, that division, that separation between you and God, the veil has been rent, right? That you had to talk behind the veil? God says, no, now you have total access. There's no separation. There's no division between you and me. You have total access to me. You can come to me in any situation or circumstance of your life. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you came from. You can come to me. He said, that veil that separated you and, and me, Bill, that's separated, that you can only see through a veil and only hear my voice through, through the veil. He said, Bill, I removed it from you. You can see me face to face, eye to eye, person to person, man to man. I will come to you and I will help you and I will help you in your situation. I will free you indeed. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That excites you that he loves you that much. You should have seen this model. I, I keep forgetting your name, though. Huh? Janine, how many kids have you adopted? Four kids. Uh, this lady and two of them, they came to the Cookies and Carols at night. Her two little girls, I'll tell you, I had to bring them up front. They were so adorable. I'm going to tell you something. I am so proud of you. I've watched you over these last month, and I want you to know, I am so proud of you. And not only am I, but your Lord, he loves you. 
He loves you. And your breakthrough is coming, girl. Your breakthrough is coming. You have fought the fight. You have kept the faith, and you are going to finish this race. And your blessings are coming. I'm so proud of you. I want you to know that I really am. And the Father says, listen, you don't have to talk behind the veil. He's embracing you. He loves you. And I'm proud of you. I think we need to show her up. I mean that, seriously. If you, if you know about her, I, I, I really mean that. I'm proud of you. Very proud of you. And he goes on. He says, Beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, I'm being transformed into the same image. He says, From glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Being transformed means being transformed. It's not the song, hey, transformers, more than meets the eye. It's not saying that. It's saying transform. God's an inside God. He transforms here. And then guess what? When he transforms here, here changes. You can do everything you can on the outside. But if it's not done in here, it doesn't matter what this is. Let me know what I'm talking about. Right? Freedom <clears throat> from what? Freedom maybe from habits or addictions that are causing you to stumble away from the Lord. Maybe, maybe there's some addictions, some habits that are keeping you from stumbling. You're stumbling from God. Maybe that's, that's holding you back. Maybe it gets so close. I remember when I when I hit a wall, I thought, God, what, what, what's going on? And I had to search myself. And you know what that was for me? That was when I had come up against the wall that I had to let go of, that I needed to be free of? Unforgiveness. I needed to get rid of unforgiveness in my life because every time I wanted to get closer, boom, I'd run into a wall. And I'd take three steps forward and four steps back because I come, boom. And it was always a reminder, CJ, you can't be free until you let it go. What you hold on to is all you're going to have, but what you let go of, he can take. And some of you are maybe need to be free from resentment, unforgiveness, addictions, habits, free from strongholds or unbelief. Maybe you need to be free from unbelief. Just like the man in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. God, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. He was honest. And when he was honest, guess what happened? Miracles took place because he was honest with his God and he was free for his miracle. Some of you, maybe you're walking in unbelief and doubt, fear and worry, depression and discouragement. Isn't it about time you want to be free? Why be that donkey and carry it around, have a pride badge of saying, this is who I am, this is my DNA. Oh, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm liking it. Well, you can have all you want it. God wants to set us free. The Spirit of the Lord can transform your thinking, your life, and your relationship with Him. Stinking thinking. Your life follows your thoughts. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, but the free, the free, the free. It doesn't cost you anything, but it does much. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has a gift for you this Christmas, the gift of eternal life that can transform you and transform your life. 
but it's up to you. It's up to you this morning to say, Pastor, I, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I don't want to be the same. If we have my prayer partners, if all the people can come up here and pray with me, Bill and Barb and Randy and Renee and others that are prayer people, I want you to come. My prayer partners, if you just step out. And I want you just to come. And others that will hear it. And Quinn, just step out. Maybe today you're struggling. We're not here to shame you. We're here to pray for you. Jerry and Marcia, come on up here, will you? We're not here to shame you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to pray for you. One of the greatest classes that we're doing is Celebrate Recovery and Alpha. And you know what Alpha is all about? It's helping your walk with God. Helping you walk with the Lord. Will you stand with me this morning? And as you're standing, as you're standing this morning, maybe you came in this place. Maybe you came. And trust me, we love you. My wife and I were talking about you on the way back from the cities after seeing my grandbabies in their Christmas play. We love you so much. But in our love, we want to see what's best for you. Just like a parent to their kids. To us, you're like our family. And we want what's best for you. And we want to give you the greatest gift. And that's the gift of freedom in Christ. But maybe today you need prayer. It doesn't matter of addiction. Maybe you just need prayer to somebody to lift you up and encourage you. If that's you, please do me a favor. Just step out. Come to one of these people right now. Just step out. Come on. Just step out. Come on. Come on. Just step out. Come on. Just step out. Let the Lord just touch you. Don't leave the same way you came. Why? Why would you leave the same way you came when you can leave transformed and changed? Come on. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? Dale and Penny, come on up here. Come on. Nelda and Dave, come on. I need some more prayer people. We're running out of people. Anyone else this morning? You need prayer this morning. Come on, don't waste the time with the Lord. God's speaking to your heart. Come on, you know that. You know God's speaking to you. Just move out. Just move out. Anyone else this morning? Say, Pastor, we have Nelda and Dave here to pray. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to be free. Come on, Becky. Come on. Come on, honey. Come on. Come on. Kevin and Terry, come on. I want you to pray with Becky right here, right here. Come on, Kevin and Terry. Come on. Come on. I need a guy to come up here and pray with my friend, my, Dan, my Daniel right here. I need some guy to come up pray with Daniel. This is what it's all about. We're a family that prays together, believes together, changes lives together. Jack and, come on, Becky, come on up here. Come on. I need some more prayer people. I know God wants to still move. Come on. Come on. Pastor Jack and Becky, these guys are pastors. I love them with all my heart. If you still need prayer, we're going to keep this altar open for just a few more moments. Anyone else say, hey, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer. Anyone else this morning say, Pastor, I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. I know God's tugging on your heart. I know it with all my heart. I know he's tugging on you. Why leave the same way you came? Why take the mess out of here? But you can get your mess taken care of. Anyone else? One. Anyone else? Here comes another one. Get there. Anyone else? Pastor, come stand with them right there. Pastor, I want prayer.
Come on. They're still coming. Come on. Come on, honey. Come on. Come on. I need some young people. Josh, and come and pray with this young lady right here. I need some young people to come and pray with this young lady right here. Tori, come on up here with Josh. And I want you to pray with Josh and with this young lady right here. God's still moving. I know he is. God's still moving. God's still moving. Anyone else? Say, Pastor. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, pray with this young lady right here. I need somebody to come up pray with her. Come on. Come on. Yes, go ahead. Uh, this young lady's just been starting to come to church. And God good? Anyone else this morning? Is Woody back there? Is Woody back there? Jeff, Carl, I want you to place your hands on Woody back there. Pray with Woody right back there. He can't make it up here. I want you to pray with him. Just pray. Anyone else this morning? Now let me pray over you. Let me pray over you this morning. And you receive what God has for you this morning. Father, I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful congregation. I thank you for these believers in Christ. Lord, may we feel like David. Where can I run from your presence, Lord? Lord, in the valleys, you're there. In the mountaintops, you're there. In the heavens, you're there. In the lowest of lows, you're there. We can't outrun you, God. So therefore, we will embrace you. Instead of run from you, we're going to run to you. And I pray that, God, that you will touch this congregation, touch every individual here today. May they receive the greatest gift, and that's the gift of freedom and life and peace and joy and hope. The greatest gift that doesn't last eight seconds but lasts for eternity. And I pray that you will bless this congregation, that, God, you will meet their needs according to your glorious riches. Open the windows of heaven to them and pour out a blessing upon these congregations that they can't even fathom or imagine. Whether it be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, that, God, you'll open the windows of heaven right now. We thank you for this congregation. Be with us throughout this week, Lord. Bring us back as we, Lord, and just have a great time of laughter next week. And laughter is like good medicine that sets us in orbit for our Christmas season, for our holiday season, for, for celebrating the birth of you the following week. Lord, it prepares us, Lord, for all the stress. So, Father, bring us back next week as a church to laugh together, to cry together, to pray together. Go with us now, I pray. For we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We are heading into the busy holiday season and we have a ton of things planned for you. If you don't want to miss out, make sure you follow us on Facebook, download our new app, or visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.